And here we are kicking off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And what better way to kick it off than to talk to a Hall of Famer? And that is Shereen Williams from the Pro Football Talk at Shereen Williams on Twitter. And Shereen, definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. It's always great to catch up with you. And uh, how exciting is it, first of all, just to be able to cover training camp and actually be in person as opposed to what we had last year where there's so much question marks and so much not understanding what was going to happen with this NFL season? almost feels like a lost year doesn't it it's just <laughs> so strange for everybody in every facet of life but yeah in the nfl it's nice to be back to in person and um headed to to canton uh, on thursday and we'll get to see our first game with uh, a full uh attendance you know a big crowd for the first time since the super bowl a couple years ago um where we had 100 percent attendance so that's going to be fun to, to kind of get the fans back into it too and they've been at training camps and so we're getting back to some normalcy. Of course, the Delta variant could have a say in this. We've seen so many players go on the, the COVID list here lately, but um, it, it's it's getting back to more uh, normal that we're used to, and I can't wait to, for the season to start. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited about it, and like you said, that Delta variant is something that we all have to be cautious about because it's a real deal. It's not going away anytime soon, but uh, we are getting a little bit closer, at least it feels like, to some normalcy. And You mentioned the Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio. I'll be flying out Thursday evening for the festivities. I'm excited about that. Uh, as far as Raider Nation goes, Coach Tom Flores and Charles Woodson both going to be inducted. Uh, first of all, Shireen, as, as a member of the Hall of Fame, what does it mean to be a Hall of Famer? Well, you know, I, I think it seals your legacy. Talk about how long those busts, you know, are, are going to be maintained in there, and it's forever. And it just signals that your career was one of the best ever. And so I think that's why, you know, a lot of guys say they don't want it. I guarantee you they all want it. And right. it's it's just something that uh, finishes off your, your career five years after you're done. If you're a first ballot, I think it says even more about what you've done. But either way, you're in there forever once you go in there. And it's just, it's a legacy. And, and it leaves something behind for your relatives and, and everybody else to see just how great you were at what you did. So, you know, it all means something to all of them. I think Terrell Owens deep down would tell you it even means a whole lot to him to be in there even though it took him much longer than he thought it should have taken for him to go in. Yeah, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes it, it's a log jam or, or whatever reason it is. Yeah. It just takes a long time for someone to get in. And in Coach Flores' uh, you know, his, his case, it took a long time for him to get in. But he's finally in. Uh, it's a sigh of relief for Raider Nation. He gets to you know, get this glory and this moment. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts when you think of Coach Flores and him going into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm on a lot of those committees that, that we've had to elect these guys, and it took longer than it should have for someone of his stature with his resume to go in. But as you said, it just gets to be a law gym. And for coaches, for so long, we didn't have a coach's category, and a lot of them didn't want it that way. They wanted to go in on the modern era ballot. Well, you know, it, realistically, if you're voting, deciding between a player and a coach, you're going to pick the player over the coach all, almost always. You know, there were some exceptions, of course, Bill Parcells being perhaps the most recent one that went in on the, on the modern ballot. But now that they've got this coaching category in here, and then we had obviously the centennial class, I think it's much better for these coaches, and we're going to see a lot more of them go in. And I think they deserve to go in. Uh, a bunch of them deserve to go in who aren't in there. But he's one who kind of stands out 
for what he did in, in his Super Bowl victories and everything else, and, and just setting a path uh, for other minorities um, that this can be done and you can be successful. And so he kind of set that path uh, for others to follow, and and they did, and they have, and and uh, he was very successful at what he did with the Raiders, and I think he deserves to go in, and it's nice that Raiders Nation will be able to celebrate that in the coming days. Talking right now with Shereen Williams here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And as far as the festivities go this weekend, I mean, there's two classes being inducted. And, of course, the Centennial yeah. class is already a large one, so there's multiple days. How do you expect to, you know, kind of navigate through this whole entire weekend with, with all the greatness that's going to be on display? Well, the great thing is, from a time standpoint, you know, if they allow them to go on and on, as they've done in the past, we would be there probably for days. We, one ceremony would run into the next ceremony, but they are going to limit it this year, strict limitations. They get six minutes when they'll be notified at six minutes that they have two more minutes, and at eight minutes they'll be escorted off the stage with the Academy Award-type music t- to get them off the stage. So there is going to be a strict, strict, strict eight-minute time limit, so I think that's going to help, but it is going to be a long two days of, of speeches. Uh, from these guys and you know you're looking forward to, to so many of them um, to hearing what they have to say and, and who they want to thank and who they want to remember you know Calvin Johnson's already said that he doesn't expect to mention the Lions organization thank the Lions organization or those within the organization of course he'll uh, mention specific people but I think his will be real interesting from that standpoint exactly what he says about the Lions and I know everybody will be watching that one real close um, but but it's just two such great classes. We've never seen anything like this, obviously, in Kent before, and it would have been special last year just because of the Centennial class. It would have been more guys, and now we have two classes backed up to each other. So I think that's going to be really special uh, over two days. And I hope people will watch. I know it, it is going to get long-winded a little bit, but I hope people will watch and, and uh there are always some meaningful speeches in there. Yeah, absolutely. Those speeches, and I've said this multiple times leading up to the Hall of Fame, there's always a moment, Shireen, in the in the speeches where yeah. I don't know when it's going to come, but all of a sudden my eyes get a little heavy and a little bit of water gets in my eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, who got the onions out? It's just there's always a moment that one of these speeches or a couple yeah. of them, they always get you and get a little emotional. Yeah, they do, and, and uh, you know, a bunch of them say, oh, I'm not going to cry, and they get up there, and the first thing you do is start crying, right? Right. Because it is so meaningful to them, and, and uh, I think they all appreciate it, and uh, I got a chance to present Jimmy Johnson. I got a chance to present Drew Pearson. Uh, John Lynch at one point, not in this particular one that he got in, but I presented John Lynch one of the times he didn't get in, so... I've gotten a chance to present some of these guys, and so, you know, you feel like you failed when they don't get in, but when they do get in, you're just so grateful and, and so happy, and, you know, you hear their voice on the phone when you call them up, just how excited they are by it all to finally be in, and I think Drew Pearson is a great example. Yeah, we yeah. talked about, you know, it took 33 years for this guy to go in, and, and Cliff Branch, I think, eventually will get in. You know, I, he should be in. That's, that's a name I know Raiders fans want into the Hall of Fame, and I think at some point he'll go in there now that Harold Carmichael and Drew Pearson are in there. I think Cliff Branch certainly deserves uh, to go in. Second-team um, 
all decade. Back then, Drew Pearson was first team, and Harold Carmichael wasn't on either team. So I, I think Cliff will be on there one day, too, and it's just unfortunate that it's taken so long for, for some of these guys to have to wait before they go in. Yeah, absolutely, and I know Drew is going to be so excited and so emotional, and, and I'm looking forward to that speech. And, and yeah, I mean, Drew Pearson's always the guy that a lot of Raider fans always kind of compare, like, hey, wait a minute, Cliff Branch should be yeah. in if Drew's getting in. So you're spot on. I mean, I, I think that Cliff will get in eventually at some point as well, but again, it goes back to that log jam. Now, Shereen, as far as the, the, the game goes, we know that there's not going to be a lot of action. I mean, it's just the first preseason game of, of four for the Cowboys and the Steelers, but you cover the Cowboys like a glove as well. Uh, what are your expectations from Thursday night? Uh, Dak's coming back from the injury. Uh, just do you expect to see any of him at all or just maybe wait till week two? Yeah, he's not even making the trip. So they'll be there you they're go. holding all their injured players back to California. So he won't even make the trip. We won't see a bit of him. Uh, you'll see a lot of Garrett Gilbert, a little bit of Cooper Rush, and a little bit of, of Ben DiNucci. And I would imagine it would be that way for the Steelers, too. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of the starters play. You might see a little bit from some of them. But, yeah, this is purely the, the, the – when you talk about the exhibition game and the exhibition season, this is that. This is right. going to be a lot of second-teamers and third-teamers and sort of like that fourth preseason game that we're used to seeing at the end of the docket. And this year we just have three preseason games for each of the teams except the Cowboys and Steelers. So this will be their fourth kind of throwaway game. And then we're not going to see a whole lot in this game. So – uh, yeah, we just hold off and, and, and wait till week two of the preseason mm-hmm. before we start seeing some a little bit of stars out there. I don't think we're, for many of these teams, I don't think we're going to see a lot from the starters in that in that pre, second week of the preseason. Um, and I think that that third, if that second and third for the Cowboys and Steelers would be that third and fourth. But those last two preseason games, I think, is really when you're going to see a lot of the starters, and we'll get a sense of some of these rookies who are going to make impacts. You know, that really hurt, I know, fantasy players last year. You didn't get to see some of these guys <laughs> in the preseason to know who might be a breakout player. I don't know how many people saw Justin Jefferson doing what he did. Yes, he was a first-round draft pick. Yes, he was replacing Stephon Diggs. But, you know, if you had seen him in the preseason, he probably would have been drafted a little bit higher than, than where he went in most fantasy drafts, I would imagine. Um based on having not having uh, the regular preseason last year. Right. He was a monster. He absolutely was a monster for the Minnesota Vikings. We're talking right now with Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk. You can find her on Twitter, at Shereen Williams, a Hall of Famer herself. And, uh, Shereen, as far as Dak goes, like you said, he's staying back in California. He's not even making the trip. How concerned are the Cowboys with his shoulder injury? Of course, the ankle injury is what everyone knows about, the big injury. But he's also dealing with that shoulder injury. How concerning, uh, are, or how concerned are they about that injury? Well, it, it is a strain, and they keep saying they're unconcerned, but they all said today that they're taking a step back, and they're just going to play it cautiously with him, be de- deliberate in his return uh, from that strained shoulder. So, you know, even though they keep using the words, we're unconcerned, you know, we're not, we're not worried about it, et cetera, et cetera, until you see him back on the field and throwing again and get through those sessions and doing multiple sessions in a row, I do think you have to have at least a little bit of a pause uh, to, to worry about, you know, exactly where he is and he's going to be. And, and I know this, I know they want him to play in the preseason, and I know he wants to play in the preseason. And he said he hasn't thought about the ankle injury since May at Cinco de Mayo when he was dancing on the dance floor. He said that's <laughs> when it was kind of buried. 
that he never thinks about the ankle anymore. And that's all great and good, and he's made all those steps he needs to take to forget about it. But let's be honest, there's one more hurdle to clear, and that's taking a hit. Right. Like running down the field, scrambling and getting hit, and get, being able to get up and go, you know what, it's okay. I, I've done that now. I've cleared that. I can get over it. You'd rather him do that in the preseason than you, you know, not that you want him to get a lot, hit a lot in the preseason, but you would like to get him one hit out of the way in the preseason so when he gets in the season, he's had that hurdle and cleared it. And now he goes in the season completely mentally ready to go. Um, but, you know, I think the shoulder's going to heal. It's going to be fine. There's there's no structural damage, anything in there. It's just got to heal. It's just tired. But, you know, you you also want to have him in training camp getting ready with, with his receivers since he missed most of last season. That happened in week five, his ankle injury last year. So you'd like to have him out there and getting ready and certainly would like to have him play in the preseason. But all that remains to be seen if he's going to be able to do that. He's going to they're going to attempt to have him start throwing again next week, but it's all dependent on how that shoulder feels coming out of the weekend. Talking right now with Shereen Williams here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And one of the big stories, one of the biggest stories actually in the NFL right now is coming out of Indianapolis. Carson Wentz, boom, he's out 5 to 12 weeks. He had to have surgery on his foot to remove a, a bone. And then the very next day, guard Quentin Nelson, the great Quentin Nelson, he has the same exact thing, has the same exact surgery. He's out 5 to 12 weeks. What do you make of what's going on in Indianapolis right now? Yeah, I saw somebody pose just a minute ago on Twitter who's had the worst start to training camp, the Vikings uh, or them. And, and I would I would tend to go with the Colts having right. having the worst start to the to camp because, I you know, who knows how those guys are going to come back. I would venture to guess that Carson Wentz is not going to be there for the season opener and how many games is he going to miss. The Colts don't even know that. So, you know, I think the Colts, chances to win that division have taken a huge hit it helps them obviously there's going to be 17 games this year but i you know if you look at that division i mean is tennessee going to have a cakewalk in this thing because you already had two teams trying to rebuild and the jaguars and texans now i think the jaguars are going to be a little bit better but they still have a rookie quarterback right right, right. so you know I, I just you look at that division and you think well tennessee can go ahead and hang the banner as division champs because it's certainly headed that way so Colts have had a terrible start to training camp, and you look at their recent history at the quarterback position. I mean, this is just another notch that they've had to take. You look at the, you know, Andrew Luck, his injuries, and then he obviously retired on the hills of of the season starting, and you know, then they go on and they get, you know, they have Jacoby Brissett in there, and then they go get Philip Rivers, and he retires after one year, and so they really had this big turnover at the quarterback position, and now they can't keep. Carson Wentz healthy, which I think the concern too is this is his history. This is what he's right. done in the NFL. He's been hurt since he's been in there. He was having an MVP like year uh, and has the ACL injury through no fault of his own. But nonetheless, you have to be available. You have to be on the field. And he hasn't been able to do that consistently over the last few years. So I do think there's some concern there about Carson Wentz's. Uh, availability for this team and, and just where the Colts are headed now with all these injuries and what they've had to go through so far in camp. And one of the big questions that I'm receiving daily from Raider Nation is, well, what does that mean for the Raiders? Does that mean that, you know, the Colts reach out to uh, John Gruden and Mike Mayock and, yeah. and, and ask about Marcus Mariota? Is Nick Foles with Chicago? Is he in the mix? Do you think that they make a move for a veteran quarterback? They act like they're not going to at this point, but I certainly think they have to do that because this is a team on paper that looks like a contender. Their defense is going to be very, very good. 
their running game, I think, with Jonathan Taylor is going to be very, very good. They have some weapons outside. I think this is a really good team, but they're not going to be a good team without a veteran quarterback. I mean, Jacob Beeson, I, I, right. I, I don't think they're going to win many games with him. So I think they have to make a move for somebody now. I don't know that it's going to be Nick Foles. He makes the most sense. But I also know that Carson Wentz didn't like Nick Foles behind him, right, because uh, of the Super Bowl MVP and what he had done there and fans' love for him. And, you know, just he, he didn't want him there. And so I don't know that that would be where they would look. And Foles in his press conference, I watched his press conference yesterday, and in his press conference he didn't sound like that was a place that, that maybe he, he would end up going just because Carson was there. Uh, but they've got to look somewhere. To me, I think, right. uh, to find a veteran quarterback if they're going to have a chance to win, depending on it. You do have a little bit of time, but you do if you're going to get a veteran quarterback, you got to get him in there to learn your system and all of that. You can't just throw him in there uh, week one, trade for him week one, and throw him in there like you could do a player perhaps in another position. You just can't do that at the quarterback position. So they've got a little bit of time, but not a lot of time to decide really what they're going to do with that position. And the last time they were in the situation – when Andrew Luck retired on the heels of the season, uh, they stuck with what they had. And it didn't turn out real well. So <laughs> right. if they're looking back at that, they need to go find a veteran quarterback. No doubt about it. And, Shereen, before I let you go, I did want to ask you about that situation going on in Minnesota. Uh, all the quarterbacks, Kellen Mond, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins, they're all out right now with uh, COVID-19, all, all three of them, as a matter of fact. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's on, going on with uh, Minnesota? And Mike Zimmer, the head coach, is not very happy. Yeah, and I understand that. You know, I, I go way back with, with Mike Zimmer, and, and uh, he says what's on his mind. He's never going to let you guess what, what's on his mind, and he said it, and he's very frustrated with those numbers. They're last in the NFL on vaccination rate. They've got to get players vaccinated. Teams are going to be at a disadvantage if they can't get up to that 85% vaccination rate threshold. They, I mean, they are. They're, they're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. I think the Vikings are the example of that. If this had been on the heels of a game and these players had gone on the COVID list, suddenly you're having a Kendall Hinton situation. In their case, they had one quarterback who was available to play. But you've got to be vaccinated because if you're at close, high-risk, close contact, you've got to sit out for five days. That's the rule. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to do that. So they have to get vaccinated so they're not in that situation. I know we've talked about perhaps quarantining a quarterback during the regular season. I think you're going to see – some teams do that just so they don't – if they have unvaccinated quarterbacks on their roster, I think you're going to see them uh, quarantine a quarterback just in case that happens. But, yeah, we're in a situation now where if this happens in a big game or a playoff game or whatever the situation is, you don't want to start a guy like Kendall Hinton, which is what the Broncos had to do last year. You want one of your best quarterbacks to be in there for you to give you a chance. And if, the, if this was a regular season, the Vikings wouldn't have had that. Right, exactly. So it's it's going to be interesting. It really is. And uh, Mike Zimmer, like you said, he does not hide his words or his feelings at <laughs> all. He was very uh, adamant about how he felt. That's the great Shereen Williams right there from Pro Football Talk. Shereen, you got anything coming out on Pro Football Talk that we should be on the lookout for? I know you're headed to Canton. Yeah, just the, the Canton stuff's coming up this weekend, and we'll keep you updated on everything going on in the NFL. It's never dull this time of year, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it's not, and we thank you so much for your time. Great as always, and hopefully I'm able to run into you uh, when I'm out there in Canton celebrating the Hall of Famers. 
Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Shereen Williams right there, the great Hall of Famer herself from Pro Football Talk on Twitter, at Shereen Williams. Uh, love to be able to pick her brain. Uh, I do believe that her and John McClain are two of the best in the business that uh, cover the NFL like a glove, and uh, they're both really good buddies, and uh, just uh, appreciate her time, as always, very thorough, uh, as you heard in, in that segment right there. That's Shereen Williams. Coming up next, Albert Hall. Mention him, right? Mentioned him in the first hour. There's a little bit of a mix-up on the phone number, but uh, we've been able to track him down. He's going to call us next. So we'll talk all things Summer League, and we'll do it here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk who joined us in the last segment to break down all things NFL. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we'll have Candace Martino. She's a sports anchor at WBTW News 13, Myrtle Beach. Going to talk all things Hunter Renfro. That's right. We're going to kind of take a behind the scenes of before Hunter Renfro was a Las Vegas Raider, before he was a Clemson Tiger. Uh, he was doing some other big things in high school. So we're going to kind of take a behind-the-scenes look. But right now, very excited about our next guest, uh, Albert Hall, president and founder of Summer League. And, Albert, I do appreciate your time this afternoon. We've kind of been dancing and, and shaking and missing each other. But uh, here we are. We're, we're together on the show. I'm excited because I'm a Summer League guy. I'm a guy that's been coming to Vegas for a long time to actually – be a part of Summer League and just watch it as a fan and just embrace these players as young guys before they really become superstars in the league. And and you're the founder and the president, so I thank you for the event, and I thank you for your time. How did this all come about? How did Summer League come about? This was your brainchild. What, what, what was this all about when you, you came up with it? Well, first of all, we, we love guys like you because there's a lot of them out there, and it <laughs> gives you a chance to have a little bragging rights about when you saw somebody before they blew up. Yep. Right? So that's great. Um, and again, sorry about the, the delay there, but no, we started in 2004, um, back in the day when there was a summer league in Boston, there's one in Los Angeles and, uh, the one in Boston had been real successful with LeBron the year before, uh, in Oh four, they didn't have hotel rooms. We long story short, we were able to convince commissioner Stern to give Vegas a shot. We started with six teams and like I said, six handshakes and a box of flyers. That's (laughs) truly how this started. I mean, I was handing out flyers on Spring Mountain Road at one point, but uh, the reality is, you know, we just put our head down and grinded through it. And we realized that if we put on a good show and and basketball is the focal point, you know, uh, out of the gate, then, you know, the teams will respond. And they really did. We went from six to 12 to 18 to 24 and now all 30. So, it's been one of those labors of love. I mean, you you know, we put put our heart and soul into Summer League. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, the people of Las Vegas have supported us from day one, and, and we do the same. We turn around, we keep this thing here, um, and we like to look at it like the 31st NBA franchise. Right, and it, it is. It's just like that, and we'll be giving out tickets to it. Matter of fact, it gets started on Sunday. We have family four-packs of tickets. We have pairs of tickets we're giving out here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And you mentioned, you know, seeing some of these guys before they become superstars. And I'll tell you, this is how I always describe it to people that have never been. It's up close. It's personal. It's intimate. And, again, it gives you an opportunity to see these players when they kind of are in their own environment, almost like being in a gym in an AAU where they kind of have their hair down. You know, they kind of just are in a more relaxed setting. I saw John Wall and Boogie Cousins. Those were a couple of the first ones I remember seeing up close and personal. But was there any that stood out to you that you're like, man, that was a fun summer with these guys here? I mean, I think Dame Lillard was a big one, like guy from Weber State that people weren't really on it. I mean, when we had Blake Griffin, people forget how explosive he was. They finally got to see him up and close. 
And then, I mean, each and every year, we, we talk about this. There's always players that jump out of, out of you know, today, uh, what, Duncan Robinson, $90 million, right? I mean, there's a guy who uh, two years ago was kind of Tyler Hero was the star of the show, and this guy lit it up, and now he's one of the premier shooters in the league. So, you know, each year it's just a matter of who's going to step up, seize the moment. But like you said, I mean, you all want to know, like, if, if the guys let their hair down, right? They right. want to just hoop. That's, yep. the, that's the real. They just want to hoop, and they get here. We always have energy in the building. That's a big thing. I'm big on you got to have the energy. The guys go back to the day of a good high school game or a good college game or a big-time AAU matchup. We try to, we try to emulate that at Summer League, and we, we don't shy from it. You know, They're going to get an NBA experience without a doubt um, just with everything we do with the arena and the production value and all that. But when it comes down to hooping, we want them to just say, hey, this is, this is my stage, and I'm going to take it and make a name for myself, and we've seen that year after year after year. Talking right now with Albert Hall, president and founder of the Summer League uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, very excited about the event that gets started on Sunday. We have plenty of tickets to give out to that, so we'll be doing that in just a, a little bit. But, uh, you know, Albert, one of the things that I also focus in on is not just the players, the coaches. They're, most of the coaches are assistant coaches from other teams and, and throughout the course of the league, but – they get to be head coaches in this environment. How much is that not just um, for, you know, the fans' sake to see them out there, but also for their development as well in their in their journey to be head coaches eventually? Oh, it's massive. I mean, I can remember Steve Kerr, his first time coaching in summer league for the Warriors. He's like, wow, this is really fast. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> ready for this. And this year, you know, you look at the turnover, what we have nine new coaches in the league, right? Yep. We, we don't know who will coach, but, I mean, I can guarantee you at least five or six of those are going to be running their summer league team, right? I mean, you look at a guy like Jamal Mosley, who's a, a, you know, a longtime friend of mine who's been doing it for years. And I mean, he used to coach at camps that we had back in the day and then got a shot at summer league, and it's just kind of you know, gotten to the, now a head coach in the league with Orlando. It's like this is how these guys develop. You know, they have, there's a big difference between you being the man or the woman and you know, sitting the seat over as an assistant versus the head coach. Right? So this summer league is the best proving ground you can have. I mean, even though it's five games, you're working for 10 to 12 to 15 days with your team. You're running the same sets. You know, the, the head coach, if you're an assistant, is there. The GM, the president, the owners. I mean, we become an owner league, too. You know, every mm -hmm. owner is out here. And they want to see the development. Like, did they, they swing or miss on this draft pick? You know, is, is that first-year player going to make a big jump in the second year? And that's one of the things. I mean, we could talk about the Kate Cuttinghams and the Jalen Greens and all that. We're seeing second-year guys that really want to play summer league because they, they, they missed out, and the teams felt that. Right. Uh, I was on an interview earlier. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have been on the sidelines for months. They're juiced about Summer League. They can't wait to get out here, get back at it, and, you know, try to replicate uh, a little momentum that they can carry into the season. And, and, you know, we saw that with the Warriors when they won our first championship. That was the start of the Warriors' run. Right. So they, they parlayed that into some momentum. Portland had done the same thing, you know, coming off their – Jailblazer era and kind of changed the whole note out here with Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge. And, oh, man. you know, you've seen, I mean, the names go on and on. Yeah. Remember how good B Roy was. Yes. So, yes. Like, like there's a, you know, there's a lot of stories. And then as you talk about, you never know who you're going to run into on the concourse. And um, I just want to say to all the fans out there who love summer league, we appreciate you, but come out. The only difference, we, you know, we're making the, the arena as safe as possible. Thomas and Max doing an unbelievable job. All you have to do is wear a mask. Cool. There's a lot of information out there, but that's the reality. Wear a mask coming out. Um, you know, our staff is fully vaccinated, but fans do not have to be. They just have to wear a mask. 
uh, adhere to the guidelines, which are, you know, just basically that. And you're going to have the same type of summer league experience you normally do, and we're going to get this thing rocking. And I think that's just simple. That's simple right there. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. Just wear your mask Mm-mm. and you'll be fine. You'll just go and enjoy some time. It's a family affair. You can bring the kids out. You can do, I mean, just a great day. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go out there early, you can watch multiple games, right? Oh, 100%. You watch up to eight games a day for $40. I mean, that's what I mean. We're the best ticket in in sports. You know, $40 GA with fees. You can't buy another ticket in professional uh, sports for that that amount. So uh, we haven't changed that structure. We've kept it. We didn't, you know, raise the prices for a particular game. So, I mean, you go from Cox Arena to Thomas and Mack, and those of you that have been in the Cox, I mean, on on one of those close games, I mean, that place is bumping. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a lot of fun, and Look, we're going to have just a great crowd on, I mean, that opening Sunday night. I mean, you're looking at these guys are Evan Mobley's a beast. Uh, Jalen, Jalen Green is a, a star, yes. showstopper. And, I mean, Cade and Scotty Barnes and these guys, there's a lot of good talent in this draft, and we're very excited. And then, like I said, a lot of the second-year guys are, are really seizing this as an opportunity to play as well. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it as well. I know that at some point, uh, I believe that I'll be doing my show from out there, so I'm excited about that, just being a part of, you know, being part of the the whole event. And, you know, uh, Albert, this has really come full circle for me from a kid that just came out and watched, you know, Summer League and excited mm-hmm. by seeing the players to be able to be there at the arena and actually do a show there, a radio show from there. I mean, man, and this is I couldn't I couldn't ask for anything better. So I'm I'm encouraging fans to go out there, be a part of the action. You know, just wear your mask, bring your mask out there, and you can, like you said, you can see up to eight games in one day. It does not get any better than that. Lots of great football, uh, basketball action for everyone who is a big NBA fan, and I know there's tons of them out there. And not to mention, Albert, there's a tons of of celebrities that will show up to watch the games. Uh, as you mentioned, coaches will be there. You never know who you're going to run into, even courtside. Oh man, we I, I quick story. You know, one we had courtside seats uh, years ago, and um, one of the, one of the guys was sitting there, and I said, "Hey, do you mind moving over a seat?" And he's like, "No, no, no, I don't want to." I said, "I'm going to put LeBron next to you." He said, "Oh, okay, okay, I'll jump <laughs> over, no problem." So, like, look, you, that's that's the beauty of summer league, as you said. People let you know they let their guard down a little bit. Um, just they want they love hoop. It's for the game, you know. And, and Las Vegas is a great basketball city. Um, we do everything we can to keep it that way. Um, like I said, the, the support of Las Vegas has been, you know, second to none from the moment we started, you know, back on the day, handing out flyers to now. Right. So we're excited. It's going to be great. And people like yourself, those stories, we have hundreds of those with people that are now working for the teams. And like I said, coaching the teams. And <clears throat> that's what it's all about. That's what definitely what it's all about. Well, now you gave me another idea. Maybe I can get on the sidelines and do a little, little coaching them up. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll do that at the after hours run, you know, at Thomas and Matt. Yeah, there you go. A little full court press, fellas. Come on. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, but we, we just want to look. It's uh, everything that's that's been going on for the last two years. You know, we, we weren't here either. So we felt it. We just want to bring the juice, man. We yeah. like putting smiles on people's faces. And that's what we do. Well, you brought the juice this afternoon. You got a smile on my face, and I know there's going to be a lot of smiles on faces of people that we give tickets out to. And as mentioned, we're giving out family four-packs. We're giving out pairs of tickets. We're loading them up, Albert. We're going to load up the Thomas and Mack. We're going to load up Cox Pavilion. We're excited about it, and I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, and let's get out there and support this. Thank you, Las Vegas.
There it is. Appreciate you. Albert Hall, president and founder of Summer League. Uh, Hall Pass Media is where you can find him on Twitter, at Hall Pass Media. And, uh, man, again, a great event. I, I wouldn't be endorsing it like I am if it wasn't something that I've been to many times, and I'm excited about it. And uh, I, I've, I've had friends and coworkers that are like, ah, Summer League, whatever. It's like preseason. No, it's not. It is not like preseason football at all. It is fun, action, and it gets intense. I have seen some really intense games over at the Thomas and Mack Center, and, and, and what a great arena to, to, to watch a game at as well. So uh, make sure you continue to listen. If you want the family four-pack of tickets, go right now, lvsportsnetwork.com. Click on the NBA logo, and boom, just register your name right there. You're in to win a family four-pack of tickets, and please believe we'll be putting pairs of tickets in your hand as well. Many thanks to Albert Hall, president and founder of the Summer League. Coming up next, Candice Martino, sports anchor at WBTW News 13. She's going to join us to talk all things Hunter Renfro. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Pleased to have now on the phone line Candice Martino. She's a sports anchor at WBTW News 13. You can find her on Twitter at Candice Martino. And we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon and Wanted to have you on to talk about Hunter Renfro. We like to call him the slot machine around here just because he's, well, he's just that guy, the slot wide receiver. Uh, third and Renfro is a name that he's had for a very long time. And I uh, want to talk about kind of where he came from, Soxty. And I saw a little uh, piece that you put out there about him and, and about the third-year wide receiver. So before we get into Hunter Renfro and get real specific just with him, what does it mean to be from Soxty? What does it mean to go to Soxty High? Hey, Q, thanks so much for having me on. Um, you know, I actually wasn't here when Hunter was in high school. I was either in high school myself or in college, but I've been here long enough in Myrtle Beach to understand, you know, in the market what he meant and still means to the Soxty community. Uh, there's actually, they have a plaque outside of the football stadium, right, in Soxty that says, once a brave, always a brave, right, for mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro, and, and they... Um, they gave it to him about two or three years ago, and it was such a big moment in the community. And to have somebody that young in his career, to have that outside of a football stadium, I mean, that alone tells you how important he is to the Soxty community. Yeah, I mean, and he really is, and he's very important here in the Las Vegas community as well. He's been very uh, vocal about how important it is, but, you know, just knowing where he came from, and like you said, you weren't in, in the market when he was coming up and he was in high school, but just seeing how much the community embraces him and how much he really represents, I mean, just from everything you've heard and, and all the stories you heard about Hunter, just where does that come from? Where does he get that kind of burn in his belly to be that guy that represents for the community like that? Yeah. So believe it or not, his dad, Tim Renfro, he was within the Sox community, uh, the school district for 32 years. If mm. you can believe that he went on and off between head football coach to athletic director, back to coach. So he coached Hunter, right? His own son, which is a very unique situation. And, you know, I hear a lot of stories, right? And two words that I hear with Hunter Renfro Humble and quiet. Yeah, you can think to yourself, mm-hmm. all right, a lot of players are humble and quiet, but they say, but. But he's incredibly competitive. And that's exactly what it takes and does take to get to a league like that. I mean, all those players are competitive, and Hunter had that. 
Yeah, you know, he really does. And it's funny, I, I kind of give him a, a bad time all the time. Last year, he started returning punts, and I told him straight up, like, Hunter, I didn't know you had the speed in you, the, you know, the punt return ability. And he's just got that, like you said, that competitive edge to him where he says, hey, if they give me an opportunity, I'm going to go and do it. And I'm sure that as you've heard stories about Hunter and, and people talk about him there in the community, that's what you saw. That's what you heard about him, uh, you know, back when he was in high school, when he was representing out there. Yeah, he's always been an overlooked kid, right? I mean, right. there's there's coaches around in the community that talk about, you know, Hunter would be seen around in town, and they would be like, who is this little squirt, right? Like, this this little guy. <laughs> but when the lights came on Friday night, Hunter was a monster, turned into a monster. He would carve up the football field. I mean, he played quarterback in high school, one of the best in the area. Now maybe, you know, his two-star recruitment didn't show for it, but the coaches said, I mean, once those lights turned on, he would light the teams up. And that didn't really happen around here. I mean, there's some major schools with a lot of football talent. Well, you know, uh, and we're talking right now with Candace Martino here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You, you might have just broke some news right there. Maybe you you unleashed something that we didn't know about. Hunter was a, a high school quarterback. Maybe there's a package that John Gruden has for him to get the ball and maybe, <laughs> maybe throw the ball a little something. How, how was he throwing the ball? Yeah, you know, I, I actually was surprised to find that out when I, when I came into the market. Um, they said, I mean, he was a quick kid, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he ran the ball a ton, and, and that's what the offense was designed around him. Um, and obviously, it, it probably helped having his dad, right, Tim Renfro, be right. the coach. But, I mean, he, he made a name for himself. And, and, I mean, that's all it takes, right? Right, right, exactly. And, Candace, you've been covering sports long enough to know being a coach's kid is just different. You know, you're just cut a little bit different, and you just kind of, since you grow up in it, you just, you accept it a little bit more, and I, I think it just means a little bit more. Not that it doesn't for guys that aren't coaches' kids, but coaches' kids, it seems like they, they take it just a little bit more personal. Right. So, so Hunter is actually one of six, right? He's mm -hmm. the youngest boy that Tim had, and his dad played at Wofford College. So he was an All-American defensive back there. And he had maybe, Hunter, four or five offers coming out of college, right? And everyone's like, all right, he's going to go to Wofford. He's going to follow in his dad's footprint. Um, but believe it or not, obviously, he went to Clemson. He walked on there because most of his family went to Clemson. So his dad understood, right? I mean, the tiger blood, it runs deep in that family. And he kind of jokes about it. And he said, you know, if anybody can bring this state together with football, with, you know, whatever it's it's the Renfro it's the Renfro <laughs> it really is and I'm telling you he's a lot of fun I know Raider Nation really loves to cheer him on each and every Sunday Monday Thursday whatever day it is but I mean the guy is just always available he, he, he that's when one of the things that I really it, it, it kind of not surprises me but it just stands out in such a major way that he always runs really clean routes and then makes himself available for the quarterback and maybe him being a quarterback in high school maybe that's a little yeah. bit of hey I, I, I need to make myself available I know what it's like to be behind you know the guy right there with the ball in his hand one thing I heard about Hunter he's always where his feet are right mm -hmm. I mean you can talk about that on the field you can talk about it off the field and one of the things in high school I, I he could have easily left soccer Steve. he right. could have left he went to Myrtle Beach which is a major platform for recruiting and he decided to stay and he built where his feet were and he did it in high school he did it in college and now he's doing it with the Raiders I mean, he's just a kid that's going to give you 110% effort, and he's going to bring it every day. And the difference between Hunter and maybe a lot of other players is consistency. 
every day he's the same kid, good, bad, whatever. He's just bringing it the same every day. You know, and that's exactly who he is with the Raiders. I couldn't have put it any better uh, being able to cover him on the daily here in Las Vegas and seeing him today at practice. And he made an outstanding catch. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter yet, but just uh, uh, just laid out and made a great catch. Uh, he has a great rapport with Derek Carr. But, yeah, he, he is. Consistency is, is really a great word when it comes to Hunter Renfro. And I got to ask, is there, a, is there a, a, a part of the town, a part of the area that all of a sudden is huge Raider Nation fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Believe it or not, there is. And and here's a big reason why, too. Brian Edwards, oh, another yeah. wide receiver yep. for you guys. He grew up 15 minutes down the road from Hunter. A little age difference there, but they always talk about, you know, we would have sleepovers and we were rivals. And then we ended up going to rival colleges, you know, Clemson and USC. And they're probably the only two that could bring that state together, right? And then when it comes to them playing for the Raiders, you got. Gamecock fans and Tiger fans cheering for the same team, which never happens. That's funny, and you know Keyshawn Nixon, a, a South Carolina guy as well. He's uh, he's also playing for the for the Raiders right now. So there you go. I mean, there's a there's a lot of tie-ins right there. I like it. There's there's there's, there's got to be a, a nice contingency of Raider fans uh, in the area. And uh, you know, talking about Brian Edwards, John Gruden actually the other day compared him to, to, to Trail Owens, uh, T.O. And I mean, that's a heck of a compliment right there. But uh, what is it that you know about Brian Edwards? That, that Raider fans may not be aware of yet as he's only been in the league one year. Yeah, so uh, Brian got his first offer in seventh grade. Now, his story is different from Hunter. Right. Hunter was the small two kid, you know, small kid overlooked. Brian was, everybody knew who Brian was, right? So he got his first offer in seventh grade from Florida. And it happened to be Will Muschamp at the time. He ends up leaving, going to USC, and that's how Brian ended up going you know, to USC, mm-hmm, right. but he, their stories are completely different, but you would never know. They are the same kids now than they were, you know, five, six, seven years ago, growing up in the Myrtle beach market and the community. You know, what a great story too. And that just lets, lets it be known that you could be a guy that's, that's highly known like Brian Edwards was, you know, and, and, you know, just everyone knew him because of how great he was. And then could be a guy like Hunter Renfro that not a lot are familiar with, but they all end up at the same place. You know, they all end up in the, at the highest level uh, playing with a, a team that has aspirations to do some big things in 2021. So that just lets it be known uh, that, that anything is possible. If you just go ahead and put your mind to it, right? Yeah, exactly. I know Hunter said when uh, when Brian got drafted after him, right, the year after him, and he said they, they texted each other right away, right, and their dads were texting. They said, we cannot believe it. Who would ever think two kids from Horry County are playing for the same team in the NFL? And And that's what everybody feels, right? There's a sense of pride here in this area. They're a household name. Right. I mean, where our station's 15, 15 minutes from them, five minutes from the other school at Sockasty, and everybody knows who they are. It doesn't matter where you're from. If you're in this area, you know Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards. <laughs> there it is right there. That's Candace Martino, sports anchor at WBTW News 13 on Twitter at Candace Martino. And I uh, thought we're going to start this off and talk Hunter Renfro. Ended up talking to Brian Edwards as well. So it just, it just came together, and uh, we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's fun. No doubt about it right there. Candace Martino, sports anchor.
WPTW News 13, uh, the Myrtle Beach area right there, little Brian Edwards conversation, and Hunter Renfro. Uh, much thanks to her for giving us a few minutes of her time. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left in today's show, but I did want to get to a couple text messages real quick, and then we'll check in with Vinny Bonsignor, but on the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, what you got over there, Damon? All right, we've got... Come on, from, man, you to be on it. Okay, 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 I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. All right, that is, this is MH4 Raider, and I want to hear about Trayvon Morg and John Abram and how they play together. Okay, so he was interested in the very back end. Okay, that's that's very, hey, those are two guys that are going to be very much focused in on uh, by myself, Vinny, and everyone else that goes out to training camp. All right, and we've got, well, can't get less 50-50 ball than last year. Hopefully gets a RZ target. Red zone. Yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Before week 17 this season. But no, it was just like the fact that hopefully gets A, it's capitalized. Don't know what he's talking about there. Right. This car in training camp king, no threat of getting hit. This sure. season, cars training camp king, no threat of getting hit. Gotcha. From Tom. All right, Tom is Mr. Positivity at all times. So, no, uh, appreciate those texts. Uh, you know, hey, there's, there's, it's, it's training camp, so you never know what you're going to see. And, 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 of course, you don't want to get too hyped, too low uh, on anything. But uh, it, it's, it's, there's a step. I feel like the team took a step in the right direction uh, today uh, in, in almost full pads. So, uh, right now, Vinny Bonsignor, who's there at the headquarters there in Henderson, uh, what you got coming up? What did you, uh, what did you notice from camp today? Well, uh, first of all, uh, all due re- great interview with uh, Candace Martino, but all due respect to Candace, there's only one USC, and that's the <laughs> University of Southern. Of California. course, an LA guy would there say that. There's no USC outside <laughs> of the Trojans and Southern California, so let's just get that <laughs> taken care of right off the top. Okay. Uh, I don't wanna, the University of Southern South Carolina. What have they done uh, at the university? You're talking about USC, the sta- one of the standard bearers of uh, all college sports, but. Anyway, really great interview, by the way, uh, shedding some light on Hunter Renfro and Brian Edwards. A unique story, to say the least. Right. Um, we are talking, uh, obviously, about first day in pads. I like what Tanner Muse is doing uh, at outside linebacker, see if he can keep uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, another player, another day, another retirement, Sam Young, uh, hung it up today. Uh, opens the door for Brandon Parker uh, to solidify his Spot on this uh, on this team hasn't really you know uh, taken charge when given the opportunity, but we'll see if this is the year uh, for Brandon Parker to make himself uh, you know somebody that the Raiders can rely on if, if called upon. So uh, we're talking about that. Willie Ramirez is coming up at five thirty. Uh, and taking all calls uh, from Raider fans. There you go. Great stuff, Vinny. It's always great to hang out with you at training camp, as we've done uh, each and every day. And uh, Vinny's going to hold it down and and do it from headquarters, man. It's a very uh, excited show. I know he's got a lot of good takes that he'll be uh, bringing to you and lots of observations that he had from training camp as well as the shells were on today. Not the full pads, but the shells were on today. Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. He's coming up on your radio next, 4 to 6 p.m., going to hold it down. Uh, definitely look forward to Vinny. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. But Make sure you tune in to the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker at 7 a.m. I'll holler at you tomorrow. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.